Hello, everybody. Welcome to a bit of a special for Edge Futurist today. I've got to, we have to keep moving ourselves to make sure you're in the centre of the uh, camera view. We've got a uh, a great conversation today, a roundtable discussion, a little bit different than our normal podcast, but a discussion with two tech partners, uh, Strive AV and BenQ, and we're going to be bringing them on in a moment um, to talk about future-proofing your classrooms. So we know this is something we've talked about, lads, um, and we we know that technology plays a, a vital role in that, even in our Edufuturist Trends booklet that went out at our event recently. We talked about one of the one of the key pillars is around technology, isn't it? So, yeah, yeah. We're looking forward to this discussion. I th- I'm, I'm looking forward to it because I think a lot of the times we, and I suppose it's probably because there's two, two philosophy teachers uh, within us, uh, Steve's a sports teacher, so can can you even call that a teacher? Anyway, so the the uh, I, the fact that we uh, we know compared to your one year, um, I think I think it equates to the same thing, doesn't it? Do you, how, do you, how do you meet people again, Ben? Is there... so they... <laughs> he loves to banter, but he won't take it back. I think we may need to be a bit more formal on this one. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah to... no, but it's it's good. I think because our, our heads are in the clouds quite a bit with this show, and it's that's it's kind of what we do isn't it we we dream of what's possible and we we talk about the amazing stuff that's going on around the world but actually one of the things that we've been talking about recently is how do we how do we put things into actionable steps and actually provide solutions for schools who who can't afford to right look down the line 10 years and go what's coming um because they've got they've got a hell of a job going on at the minute um so actually i'm looking forward to getting into some actionable steps some some quick solutions some easy solutions affordable solutions in today's episode yeah and interestingly we were in uh we used to be called you remember in the studio with the edutech project our first iteration so our first first foray into this kind of podcasting space was around technology wasn't it so um do i need bring to leave it back to that because i wasn't involved in that one um, no, you no, you're allowed. To, you're allowed to stay. We've we've let you back in. You've been here long enough for you to be able to know about our deep dark secrets. The logo is. We mentioned this at our event. The logo has changed massively from the uh, space uh, rocket um, time machine slash uh, something else that it might look like um, to to now the branding that uh, Dan's created this week. Um, <laughs> we're all wearing it. We, we talked about this. Did we look this. at this? On brand. Keep on camera. To, and sway a little bit, but um, but yeah, should we, we we did mention it, didn't we? We talked about the, the the grand thing that you know the what we're trying to achieve, and and there is no finish line, you know, like the nineteen eighties Nike advert. There is no finish line in terms of innovation. Um, there's iteration, there's development, there's revolution, but also at times, like Dan said, we spend so much time speaking about literally 10, 15, 20 years maybe in advance. But it's nice to come back to actually the stepping stones and the breadcrumbs that, we, that will lead us to that big scale innovation. And I think these these concepts, these, these focuses and also some of these products are great for it. I think they're leading the way and I think we'll talk about and touch upon some of the, the technology that actually when people mention some of the terminology, they just think one thing but actually it's because it's, it's gone so much further as a, as, a, as a product and as a solution i think i think it's going to be good to unpick that today for sure for sure so uh, without further ado we'll bring in our guests who are going to be on this round table with us so pleased to be joined by tony moss from strive av and we've got lisa yates from benq and we've also got andrew strachan who is newly appointed CIO at the Emmanuel Schools Foundation. Congratulations, Andrew, on that one. I know you're going to uh, introduce yourself in a moment. Uh, over to you first, Tony. Tell us a little bit about you and uh, Strive. 
Um, good morning. Um, I'm Tony Moss, Managing Director of Strive AV. Strive AV is a system integrator. Uh, we've been around for 23 years. Um, I've actually been in education far longer than that. Um, and um, we, we, we love AV. We're passionate about what we do. Thank you. And uh, uh, the right thing to say at this moment is, Tony, you don't look like you could have ever been in education longer than 23 years. Oh, thank you so much. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> it's aging me even more in the last couple of years, but yeah, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> no problem. Thank you. Um, and then we've got Lisa, who, who I think uh, we know a little bit. <laughs> yeah, just a bit. Um, yeah, so head of channel sales for BenQ UK. I, like Tony, have been in the industry for some time now. So I've been working in education from a technology point of view for 17 years. And uh, at BenQ for six, just uh, running the sales team here and obviously working with uh, the likes of you guys as, uh, as a partner. Thanks, Lisa. And we're looking forward to, obviously, there's a little bit of a disclaimer here. Um, most most people know that for 12 months, I, I, I lived on a bus um, with the BenQ team going around to schools, colleges, universities, talking about BenQ uh, products. So um, when I make jokes about knowing Lisa, that's the reason why. Uh, and last but not least, um, with a very proud Derby County shirt, I believe, in the background, um, is uh, Mr. Andrew Strachan a, a two tap? This is now a three hat trick, I believe, of uh, of appearances with Edufuturist. So, Mr. Strachan, tell us a little bit about you. Yeah, so uh, I'm Chief Information Officer at Emmanuel Schools Foundation. Uh, we're a geographically dispersed map in the northeast. Uh, we've got just over seven and a half thousand students and about a thousand members of staff. Uh, and I've got strategic responsibility for all aspects of IT, digital, media. Uh, data and comms uh, across the trust love it and like i said newly appointed into that role um and a, a lot of schools a lot of uh, teachers students and so getting the technology right and the infrastructure right around that is uh, is, is huge and and we know that we'll, we'll get into some of how you have done that and how you've worked with the partners on the call to help make that happen as well so the whole point of this roundtable is to consider that question about how to future proof easy for me to say out of <laughs> we're called edgy futurist and i can't use say the word future never mind um how to future proof your classrooms uh schools the infrastructure that sits with it so that's what we want to talk about today and we know that the we a lot of the time on the podcast talk about the the distant future and where we think things are going, the weak signals of where things are going to be going in terms of um, in terms of AI and um, blockchain and Web3 and all that kind of stuff, as well as whether we'll go to a PBL type thing or something similar. But ultimately, um, what we're talking about specifically today is um, this, this idea around developing a future-proof classroom setup, particularly around uh, AV stuff and front-of-class display. So um, I think where, we, where we'll go first is, is to talk about the issue. So we, we, we can't talk about the future of the classroom and where we want to go until we can really ascertain and, and, and develop what, we, what we're saying is, is the challenge in the sector. Steve? Yeah, so I think to, to come in there in regards to everybody's going through it, uh, whether you're, you're at home and you're, you're talking about uh, turning every single light off uh, and, and, and if you go out of the house for more than 15 minutes, you have to turn every plug off. Uh, the economic crisis, the, the cost of everything, uh, but also 
uh, the investment into schools, colleges and, and education has, has come to the forefront more than ever. Has that been a, a discussion? Has that? Do we feel that um, digital poverty, do we feel that education um, in terms of an entity, in terms of its funding has led um, a, a discussion in regards to what, why we're starting to think about different practices, do we feel? Um, and I don't know who wants to pick up, whether that's Tony uh, first and uh, or anybody and just start to go down that avenue in regards to what do we think the schools are and what the impact could be by the new solution and the new focus. Um, I I think it's it's been very, very tricky for um, for schools, colleges, because, you know, like you say, you know, electrical costs have gone up, energy, there are obviously staff increases which the government have not supported them. You know, years ago, we used to have a massive um, big lump of money pushed into education. And we kind of don't see that anymore, which is a shame. Um, you know, I'm going back to the Bechter days when they rolled out the whiteboards because we were one of the Bechter companies. And, you know, these these kids that they are educating, they're our future they are going to be running our country. They need to have the latest technology. They need to have kit that's working, you know. And I, I expect if you went around all the schools, you'd probably find that, you know, some of these schools are just getting by, which is it's really, it's really not acceptable, is it, really? When, you know, years ago, we had this massive pump into, it, um, into the education system through Bechter, we, we can't just do it and forget it. We need to conti- continue doing this. Um, and, you know, that's kind of where I sort of come from. Yeah, and, and just to jump in there before anybody else uh, comes in, I think um, BYOD um, and resilience on, on um, parents uh, and children bringing their own devices used to be a thing, especially in, in the further education sector. I know we're going to cover multi-academy trusts and, and schools as well. Um, but really, actually, the demand has been put and, and, and the issue has been pushed onto schools. Um, I worked in an inner city, um, Leeds College, um, that was affected where actually you know, the, there was so much deprivation in, in some of our areas of the city that the diversity, or the diversity of, of device that was brought in or, or even diversity from uh, uh, tech in a classroom was so different. So the demand has now been pushed onto the organisation, but there isn't <laughs> the income coming from from different streams and there's different they're trying to be clever and trying to think about different ways they can generate uh, more money coming in rather than just um, funded by a student but how do you afford it like you know there's an issue like say for digital poverty across the nation um, schools are expected to prop it up but then there isn't enough money in schools to try and to, to take those steps forward how, how do we um, tackle that big question I don't know if Andy, I don't know if you want to jump in, Andy, because you're, you're living and breathing mm. from. Uh, yeah, I think the, the, the challenge is schools, are, schools in general are really complex rate places to run. And I think anybody outside of education probably doesn't see how complex they are to, to run and the complex funding that's needed to, to run a, a successful secondary or primary and a successful multi academy trust. Um, and I think within that year, have to have people in the chair with seats at the top table who are willing to engage in creative solutions to allow us to um, continue to innovate, to allow us to put 
the very best in front of students in whatever part of the sector that may be, um, be it technology, be it teachers, be it teaching and learning resource. Um, and I think at the minute there is still a reluctance in a significant part of the sector to, to A, give IT and digital the seat at the top table that it needs in order to influence, um, but also a reluctance to consider those creative solutions to um, to think about how we navigate around it rather than the default of, well, we just won't do that. Yeah. Um, and, and, and I think that, that, that that's possibly where we're at. I think you're right. And I think tied to that is this, this massive um, element that Tony was talking about there in terms of funding into schools. Um, we all remember the wonderful education, education, education speech. And then uh, since... 2010 essentially we have and this is not political at all it's just the reality of per per pupil funding in the uk the stats suggest that they are three percent lower now uh, than they were then um in 2010 so that that tells you that in real terms the money going into schools is lower and then the outgoing costs for schools has increased so um you don't need to be an economist to work out if you've got less money coming in and more money going out, then you've got less money to spend on the things that some people will consider to be commodities. And we actually, I think where we're going here is that we're suggesting that the tech is not a commodity. Um, yeah, and I wonder if, if, if any of you want to speak to that phrase, that it's, that it's, 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 it's more than a commodity. I think it's probably a, a, a right in 2023, isn't it? You know, that, that's the top and bottom of it, that no matter where you are in the country, no matter what your um, socio-economic backgrounds, no matter how you come into the education system, where you come from, be it, be it our country, be it abroad coming into the UK, um, you have a right to have the same equipment that you would potentially have at home or that you would see your friend two doors down having and using or your friends who you play football with the weekend, what they tell you they've got in their school, you should have a right in 2023 in our education system to have that in front of you to benefit you. Shouldn't matter where you are in the country. Shouldn't matter whether you are on the South Coast, in a seaside, nice leafy green school, or whether you are in Northeast, Northwest, anywhere sort of North of Weatherby services. It shouldn't really matter where you are in the country. You should have the same access and the same right to everybody else um, because you cannot exist in our current world without technology and without seeing, using and interacting with technology. It, it doesn't matter what you're doing or where you're going, you have to be able to engage with it and you have to be able to engage with it from a really early age. I think I think you're spot on there. I think that even in the, the Declaration of Human Rights, it says that people should have a right to education. And actually, if, we, if we're really honest with ourselves, education just... A narrow view of education isn't isn't enough anymore. We have to we have to recognise that 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 our children, our students, learn through technology. I've got a two and three year old at home, and and they they probably hurt. I mean, I don't know if this is probably a reflection on me, but they I think they learn a hell of a lot more through the technology that we have in the house than they than they do do through me. Um, and it, and it's just the reality. I mean, I think I, I'm the same. Um, it it's it's accessible. It's 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 instant. Um, and it and I think to deny certain students that while other students have got it in abundance is 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 wrong is is a plain is a is plain wrong and and people recognize that even in uh we were talking a, a couple of years ago with uh uh 
Lord Jim Knight about this, and he and he was talking about um, how he he was working with projects where they were they were getting Wi-Fi into refugee camps, so they were literally like paying somebody to go around with with uh, a router, a Wi-Fi router, and a backpack, and they would walk around the camp and make sure that everybody had access to Wi-Fi because they recognised that even in even in those extreme circumstances, people needed access to to the internet as a as something that was going to bring them value to their lives and 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 I think it it just it probably emphasizes the difficult difficult situation that schools are in when when this isn't a priority um and I think the make I think it's complex isn't it I think especially if you I mean I, I've, I've been working with a few head teachers recently where technology is like at the top of their agenda and it's really and so things things they make it simple because they learn about it they they make they make contact with companies they make partnerships but if you're not that type of head teacher you're not that type of school leader it seems like a bit of a complex world to get into and i think making things as easy as possible and and providing the simple solutions um is is definitely needed yeah and uh, i'll call it out um, i don't think it's on there People, people might be amazed by this, but we often do have a script on the Edge of Futures podcast. Uh, but I'm going to go off script. And I think um, in my work outside the Edge of Futures, but also my work in, in and I, I'll call it back to um, further education, there's so much stuff in regards to um, digital poverty, but also just poverty in general, um, whether that's in the highlands of Scotland um, and actually the, the, the rural nature of, of, of the, the country means that they, people can't travel in, um, and Wales. Um, so working in Wales and thinking about you know, some of the aspects of, of further education, how can we, when people have economic barriers and poverty, so they're looking after um, their carers, their, their their parents to young children, they can't afford um, bus fare, how can we extend learning beyond the four walls um, of a building and a classroom? And I think the technology that I've seen, and, and BenQ is doing that, I've seen hybrid rooms popping up, because of this, um, thinking about the climate as well, the impact of busing people in from different rural, rural locations when actually you can, um, and I think a lot of time was spent on what is in the classroom to make it actually fit and exciting. Um, but actually, I think taking it outside of the classroom, it's also what, what the experience on the other end is for that individual that's in isolation, but trying to beam into the rest of the 20 or 30 that's in the classroom. And that extends and will extend um, into education. There are over a million children um, that are outside of education um, at any one time in the UK. Um, alternate provision does it plays a, plays a part, but there's also a million or over a million children that don't uh, sit uh, the endpoint exams and GCSE. How can we use this technology in regards to the climate, whatever that be, to extend learning to those individuals? It could be um, social or, um, or or well-being. The reason that anxiety is playing a part and is, is on the rise, it could be those things that are stopping people coming in. Actually, they can be, feel part uh, of that learning journey, but just actually using the technology that we're, we're going to talk about on the um, on, on the discussion today. Tony, I don't know if you want to join somebody who's been in the industry and who is leading those conversations and, and engaging with schools on a regular basis. Are you seeing those kind of things come to, to the forefront more? <laughs> I have, and and I, I actually think, and you you touched on it just a minute ago. I think actually, COVID was quite scary, wasn't it, for most people? And you know, and you know, I was pretty scared. I was, you know, I thought if I 
you know, if I caught it, I'd be seriously ill. And um, because, you know, but actually, I think it's done the world a bit of a favour because it's one, one, it's made us all sit back and be a little bit more, oh, okay, we can't have it tomorrow. We'll accept it, which is good in some cases. Um, but the other thing is, what it's actually going to do is it's going to make learning accessible to anybody, anybody. So people that can't go to university because they um, anxiety or medical conditions or, you know, just can't afford to go. You know, we have now the ability to offer courses remotely across the world. And I think that's actually quite exciting. But it's whether we embrace it. It's whether, you know, from, you know, God forbid we get COVID, we get another horrible disease like COVID that comes in. Actually, the schools will probably be able to carry on and still offer all of that remotely. I know they did it as well as they could do, but now they now have the ability to actually run a full hybrid, you know, learning system. I mean, Andrew's probably got more to say on that than me, but it's quite interesting, I think. Yeah, and, uh... yeah I think um, <clears throat> that idea of hybrid learning is something that a lot of places saw got to grips with during COVID, lived with in 2021. And then what we're seeing is some places have taken that and pushed on, but a lot of places have sort of dropped off. And one of the conversations I hear, not so much within uh, ESF, but certainly when I speak at conferences and go to networking roundtable type stuff is, oh, that was that was such a COVID thing, wasn't it? And it's like, well, actually, no, no, it could be such a current thing if you really, if you really genuinely wanted it to be um, and le leverage those benefits from putting the right kit in the right places, not not just for the hybrid solution for um, you know staff and students, but for central teams, the number of multi-academy trust central teams who are operating, as you can see, in a in a hybrid environment has um, has really extended that on. But to do that, you've got to be able to put the right kit in the right place and you've got to be able to put it in at scale. Yeah, for for absolute sure. And I think when we when we talk about the it's it's multiple issues. This isn't it. It's it's a financial issue. It's a uh, digital poverty and equity issue. It's an issue around um, what do we do rather than just putting the genie back in the in in, in the bottle, as our good friend Bob Harrison would say. It can't go back in post COVID. We can't just say right, hybrid's done, online learning's done, digital done, and let's go back to the real time of teaching we don't we don't we're not saying that uh so there's multiple issues here it's not straight straightforward but we we know that when we're starting coming up with solutions here that we we were really keen as 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 dan talked about in the in the intro often we talk about there's so many problems and we but we want to come up with solutions we don't just want to be known to be people that bang the drum and say this is rubbish uh let's let's do something about it and i know that um the the three guests that are on the on the on the call today are um I've been involved in a number of different opportunities to create solutions in this. So, Lisa, I wonder if you could just kind of talk about um, the tech solution that you've, uh, the, the, the BenQ have created in terms of um, what, why the BenQ products might be uh, useful in this uh, future proofing. Yeah, sure. I mean, if we come at it from a hybrid point of view, because obviously we've kind of gone into into talking around hybrid. 
So, um, you know, for us, the interactive panel at the front of class creates kind of an anchor or center point for the classroom. Um, but with our software that comes with it, you can dial in remotely, you can link it to any video conferencing platform. It's accessible to anyone because it's browser based. So we're not saying that you have to have a particular type of device that hits a certain spec for you to have access to our tools and teaching resources and materials. We've partnered with people like Sensory Tech um, or Century Tech, people like Kahoot. So people that are already out there really kind of making wave, waves with um, teaching resources that sit within that remote ecosystem as such. And we've built them into the screens as well. So yeah, for us, it's about creating really solid hardware that sits at the front of the class, but also gives you that hybrid solution if people are you know working from home or there's a scenario where we need to go back to a hybrid learning environment yeah and, and for sure and i think the the management elements that sit within there as well make a make a huge difference from a from a cost saving perspective before we get into the specific solution we've looked at here that um and i wonder if you and i'll come back to you again lisa but i wonder if you could maybe talk about um, ams dms as a as a cost saving solution and how that's and that, how that's really helping schools and colleges yeah sure so um our cloud services which is made up of ams and dms they're managing and monitoring tools for your interactive panels so um, for Andrew, who obviously looks after a trust with lots of schools sitting within it, having something like DMS actually allows you to control and monitor and health check your panels without the need to actually go into that classroom space. So you can manage all of the content um, and your uh, screens remotely. So it cuts down on things like travel time, needing to have that technician travel to site just to fix a problem you can fix those issues just by looking in the system and actually looking at it from from there so um, our management solution is complementary it's part of our system it works with all of our interactive panels and our digital signage panels as well so it really gives you this one space as an IT team where you can manage and kind of consolidate all of your AV love it love it and I think the the, the idea around that management being um, not needing people keep going onto site and and the fact that it can be done remotely and that there's an oversight and then then obviously that conversation more about the from a sustainability perspective and from a financial perspective in terms of being able to remotely turn screens off um, save energy thing that all them kind of things we can we can do that thing that we were talking about earlier so there's less money coming in but there's more money going out so if we can either get more money coming in or get less money going out that's that's what that's what we're helping hoping for here so um so as we come into this we're going to look at this specific solution then so one of the one of the big solutions is around um uh, kind of affordable future proof solutions around leasing uh, so that word is as as has sometimes been a bit of a dirty word in education um it isn't a dirty word in education i know steve's really passionate about making sure that that we get on this on this on this conversation today about leasing so tony i wonder if you could just kind of talk at that for us about leasing and what you are uh, and what what that solution looks like in comparison to what other people have done before um i agree with steve as he spoke earlier about you know we lease cars we, you know we you know if we want to buy some furniture we'll go to next and we buy interest free or whatever you know we, we all do this right so 
you know, it's important that the schools, rather than do one here, one there, because we don't actually, we're not offering the same technology in all the classrooms at all the time. So there's disadvantages from, from the staff, you know, trying to learn the equipment, going into different rooms, having different equipment. Obviously, there's downtime to that from a class point of view. Um, and also it's, um, you know, it, it, it gives people teachers are not so confident in going to use the equipment so when schools can offer large projects and do leasing in one hit it's fantastic because it's affordable it's then done around your payments that come in yearly from the government or quarterly or monthly or whatever you want you then know what you're spending out each month on your equipment and we're seeing it more and more where the large projects are being funded through the leasing side. Um, and it's a shame because the ones and twos, you're not seeing so much, but you know, it, I think it's either the schools are a little bit nervous about leasing, so they won't do it. And they'll carry on doing the little ones or twos, but we're not seeing a lot of that. We're seeing more of the bigger projects, but not enough of the bigger projects, if you know what I mean, because otherwise we'd all been inundated and um, we'd have Bechtel all over again. So, um, but yeah, leasing is so affordable. It's easy. There's no stigma around it now. Um, it's an everyday kind of occurrence. Yeah, and I think um, it gives options. To organizations i think um the worst position we could be in is people want something that feel that it's actually out of their their grasp so they say well actually i want this i'd love this this is the art of the possible and this is what i've seen and this is and then they come to it and go i'm not sure i can really afford that well actually it makes it more affordable if they can do it and do it on large scale so i know that you're not always going to be buying a portion i'm not saying go buy the there's always something that's beyond a budget but you'd never do that for um for a sofa as an example if you wanted a a new sofa that you could fit all the family on you wouldn't then say oh, well i know i'd really like that, that that big corner sofa but i'll just get the two-seater and i'll squeeze the, the the family on with the two kids and the dog just you, know, you, you start to think about the, the, the leasing options. I think you do it with a car, you do it with all these different things. And I think there's so many conversations that we have and people have and then go, oh, yeah, I'd love that. But I think it's beyond me. I think that the solution is, is actually affordable anyway. But I think leasing puts a different slant on it to make it even more affordable so that you can get the device and, and, the, and the, the technology that you feel that you want and you need. But also you can do it on mass scale. Um, and I don't know if anybody um, of our guests want to talk to that and how, and I know Andy, you might want to come in and, uh, and talk about actually, is that the way that you approach it as an organisation and, and as a trust? Yeah, <clears throat> I think harnessing that idea of leasing isn't a dirty word, it's really, really important. And I think just to, you know, just to reinforce that point again, it is there and it's apparent in our day-to-day -day lives. I think most people, most people will have a mobile phone on contract. And they'll just think, oh, yeah, it's on a contract. They won't have clocked on that, actually. You're essentially renting the phone and paying for your phone plan at the same time. It's on a lease. You know, the, a, a significant proportion of the country will have a car, like you say, on lease. You get a car, you lease it, you give it back, you get a new car. It's a model that works really, really well. And I think schools and, and education are probably still have enough people in them who've maybe been stung a little bit by, by the past. 
and we've got to navigate our way our way through that. Um, leasing in 2023 is not the same as leasing used to be. Um, and certainly in, in ESF, we have found it to be a really, really positive experience. Um, and you know, which is bizarre to say, because when I joined the trust, all of our printers were on lease. And then sort of this whole big conversation around, well, actually, oh, leasing, what, what do we want? So I, I kind of went, well, our printers are on lease. So why don't we think about leasing X, Y, and Z? And for us, it really started um, out of COVID where we knew we wanted to grow our um, portable device uh, infrastructure at scale. So we went for, for lease. Um, we did a small classroom project at one of our schools before we kind of decided what we wanted to do. We had a need very much there and then, and we did that on lease. Um, and once we kind of got the ball rolling and found that actually there is a there is a pretty straightforward path to work through, and you know there are um, there are some systems and processes that you've got to get right internally to make sure you get it right. You've got to get your procurement right. You've got to understand what you're engaging with. You've got to make sure you've got the right people round the table rather than just going off a, a kind of wild west and doing it yourself. But if you put those structures in place and make sure that you you follow your process. And you work with with suppliers um, to make sure that 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 process is um, fair and transparent. Then there's there's absolutely nothing wrong with leasing. And what it enables you to do is it enables you to um, buy at scale, which gives you the opportunity to get more for essentially less money, and you can spread it over time. But for us, the real driver was our ability to um, reduce the the microclimate of digital poverty within the trust. So when, when I inherited my job, what I found was that we know digital poverty is a problem in the country, but actually within our organization, it was a problem. We had students at a digital disadvantage, not even to, to others in the trust, but to others in the same geographical location in, in Gateshead, for example. Um, so for me, being able to to go with go with lease and do it at scale has enabled us to to stick with one of our key elements of our trust digital strategy, which is that um, every student and every member of staff should have exactly the same classroom experience in terms of their technology. There should be a, a baseline of digital equity across the piece. If individual schools want to then specialise beyond that, then we'll support them to do that. But there's got to be a minimum baseline of, of digital equity and leasing because of the opportunities to buy at scale has, has enabled us to... Um, Take, take ourselves part way down the journey. We've got a little bit further to go, but but certainly well well down that journey to reducing the the digital poverty and delivering digital equity to, to our staff and students. So you said uh, about what did you say about thirteen years ago? It leasing's very different um, and and has improved. What what I, I suppose for someone who's been in education a long time, maybe a bit cynical. What has changed? What have you seen as the major changes? And what's kind of what makes it. Uh, an easier process or a better process for you now? I think it's um, certainly for me, it's more transparent. Um, yeah, no offense to anyone else in the call. I, uh, I wasn't in education 13 years ago. I was doing a different job. Uh, I was relatively freshish out of uni. Um, but in, in kind of working with people who were in education at the time, their comments are that leasing now is, it's more transparent. It's easier to engage with. There are um, frameworks around it that you can you can work within to give yourself organisational protection, I guess. Um, and those are approved um, by the DFE, which means that if you engage in 
in that and you work with that framework, you know that your audit trail is essentially covered. Uh, and for us, that's really important. You know, we cannot just go off on a, a 100K plus project without knowing that our our audit trail is um, is covered because ultimately, um, you know, we're not going to talk necessarily about bottom line in terms of financial numbers, but the, the bottom line for me is whenever I go to work and whenever I spend significant volumes of money on kitties, um, I'm spending taxpayers' money. And that's, that, that's the top and bottom of it. And I, in my head, I have to justify and ensure that um, I'm spending it in the right way. And the lease system and the frameworks that are around it and the security around it is significantly better than it was in the past. Um, and I think for me, that provides some assurance that we are um, wisely spending taxpayers' money to, to get the best out of, out of what we're going to do. And I think the, the knowledge around it as well, certainly the knowledge from the guys at, at, at BenQ and the, the finance and um, Strive and the finance partner around how you lease and what you lease, um, no question has ever been left unanswered. Um, you know, the guys know what the answer is. They respond in the moment. The workers are a little, I, I guess, triad to, to deliver it for you. And actually from our, our side of it, apart from doing our due diligence, apart from making sure we've got our procurement right and making sure that the, the CFO is over the, the lease, um, it's really, really straightforward. You know, really, really straightforward. I really like, Andy, how you that strategic approach as well that you talk about and that kind of starting small, seeing how it works, getting it right, and then scale a bit more, getting it right, scale a bit more. And I wonder, just passing the, the, the conversation over to, to Tony or Lisa, whoever wants to jump in here, um, is that something you offer as part of kind of as part of the solution? Do you are you able to kind of hold hold the school's hand as it were and take them through that strategic approach to make sure that it's the best solution for them? Yeah, yeah. We work with we work with many different manufacturers um, as well as BenQ, um, and you know we we always make sure that the schools are are buying what's good for them. You know, so you can't. You know, a lot of schools have particular software needs and everything else. So we look at that and then we look at, you know, offering finance, finance that, you know, and so that they understand what they're buying, um, whether they want to do over three, five years, four years, you know, just making it easy for them, really, and just making it affordable, you know. So we're always there to advise them um, and help them in their procurement. Yeah, for sure. And I think interestingly, the the principle behind that procurement and having a little bit of an insight, and I know it'll come come up in the conversation here, is that this didn't just land and go, right, Andrew's got a friend here, so he's going to get that person to to give him his PP. Uh, sorry, I mean technology, um, uh, and and make it sure like a, a friend's concept it went through a full process and i think that's really important to stress here um and i know that um lisa and her colleague luke went up to uh i think did you call it a shootout um uh, 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 mr strachan is that what you call you it mean my my bet 2022 mental idea yeah we did so we kind of i came into teaching from the live entertainment industry and we used to bring um lighting designers for concerts and tours from the states to our yard We'd put out the latest moving lights and go, right, we're going to shoot out. Which one do you want on your tour? Um, and we felt the the best way to engage with our school leaders was rather than having drip-fed demos, was to put what our procurement framework told us was the top five in the room at the same time and say, right, go for it. Show us your stuff in front of everybody else. 
Um, <laughs> and uh, we, we took them to Strive were great. Strive got on board with the idea. Didn't didn't need too much arm twisting from from Matt and Matt, our uh, our accounts contact. Uh, and to be fair to the, the spread of suppliers, um, they they all they all got on board with it. You know, and they, I think I think they saw it potentially as a as an opportunity. Um, you know, I know the, the guys on the pod have, we've talked before that EdTech is a is a very broad church, and there is a there is a place for everybody in there. Um, but yeah, so we we brought all the all the panels together. The guys did a sort of four or five, maybe a little bit longer um, demo and pitch to each of our senior leaders, and then we had a bit of a, an open house where all the panels were on all at the same time, and and off you go. And I think that for us that was really important because it gave school leaders an opportunity to impact. Um, in our procurement framework. Yeah, yeah, I bet. Lisa, how did you find that? Yeah, we're, we're kind of used to the shootout concept, but um, I think the, the the one that Andrew did was by far the most organised. Um, you know, there was, a, there was a clear plan in place, and I think that's been kind of the, the running theme throughout all of this conversation. There was a clear plan in place of what, um, you know, the, the map wanted to deliver overall. And we kind of kept within that brief and worked around uh, the products. We didn't get to see everyone else's pitches, which I thought was quite interesting. Everyone was kind of shipped off into a separate room whilst each vendor did their did their pitch. But um, yeah, we uh, yeah, it was a really good day. Love it. It, it was quite interesting actually because. In actual fact, a lot of the um, schools when they do this shootout they think they're going with one particular brand. But actually, once they've had this shootout, it really does mix it up. It really does. And you'll be surprised how people think, yeah, you know, a brand will think, a manufacturer will think, I've got this in the bag. But actually, when the shootout, and I think it happened with you, didn't it, Andrew? So um, it's really interesting because it's important that you're great at your product and you're great at presenting your product and that you know comes out on top really by the way just before <laughs> i know steve's gonna move us on i can't get anything out of my mind apart from that peaky blinders scene which i won't actually quote verbatim that they came here what they came here for so um i hope i hope at least lisa or luke came in and uh had their jacket on decided they were coming here for a shootout steve i don't know where to follow there uh, apart from Dan's already creating the graphic for Peaky Blinders Shootout um, or Whack-A-Mole. I don't know which one we're going to feature, but there'll be loads of different tech companies that pop up and we'll definitely, Dan's on it. Um, but yeah, I think we, we've kind of started to touch on it. Just to, to, to call it out as well, for those people who are, are not in education, I think we touched on the Nolan principles. Um, and actually, you know, it's something that I always aspire to. I've been out of education for a couple of years now, but the Nolan principles are so important, but actually they're a fact of public life and if you're spending taxpayers money uh, the ethical decisions behind it and the understanding of all of those principles is key uh, and education and people in education and decision makers are held to account by those so um so yeah if you if you don't know it i'm not going to walk through on, on on this discussion right now google it northern principles uh, and you'll see what andy's talking about and, and how that relates but we have touched upon uh, impact what i'm keen is with anything that we we have a conversation about uh, and when I was a decision maker in education, I would say, can you show me the impact, though? And those dancing robots at bet um, are then shuddered into a corner. Um, and this year it was dancing dogs. But anyway, we won't go into that one. But, like, you know, Andy and anybody in the call, what 
as we started to go through, what were the results? What were we actually seeing as an impact from your transition from what was before the iteration and, and, and the, the, the strategy behind it and now where, where you're at as a point? Um, I think there's there's the intentional benefits and there's the, um, the unintentional benefits. So in terms of, of intentional benefits, I think it, it would be fair to say that we are um, midway through the journey. So we probably haven't realised all of the intentional benefits yet. Um, you know, we are 18 months into a five-year plan. Um, but what we are seeing is that, um, and some of this is anecdotal, we are seeing in some quarters better engagement because students can now, they can see what's in front of them. <laughs> they can see what they're looking at that they couldn't historically. Um, we, we have had some anecdotal comments when we've done kind of drop-ins and, and wanders around that um, students have said to us, well, it's like what I've got on the wall at home. Yeah, they're, they're, they're seeing the kit that they're, you know, in their vision, this is just a big telly. Um, and uh, and I think that's, that, that, that's important. In terms of staff, we're seeing that they're now getting the ability to start to innovate. So previously they would come into their classroom they would teach, they'd have a projector, dry whiteboard, they'd write all over it, and then they'd rub it off. Uh, and that would be it gone. Or the, the savvy students would be, can I get my phone out and take a picture of that? And we're um, what we're starting to see now is, is staff inking directly onto the panel, that going into our cloud environment, and students having access to that at home, and that idea of breaking down the four walls of the classroom. So not only does that allow students to have access to that teacher modeling in the moment at home, as a member of staff, essentially what you're now having to do rather than designing a, a resource teaching thinking well how do i get that resource for when the student gets home what are they going to need how are they going to do the homework um i come to our panel i put my resource up i teach on a model i ink all over it that's then automatically gone home to the students so in terms of my lesson prep i've just got to teach a really good lesson i don't need to worry necessarily about the stuff that wraps a, that wraps around it um because students get it at home we're also seeing i guess some of the unintentional benefits of increasing productivity around av for our um it service teams because a little bit like lisa and ben said earlier they don't necessarily have to leave the office to go to the panel they can be a little bit more agile in terms of their um their service and support and ultimately we've put new technology in the classroom that has significantly less moving parts than old technology um, it means it doesn't break. We've seen a, a pretty much unified drop-off in classroom AV tickets for stuff needing repaired. Um, and I think, you know, like any project where you operate at, at scale, um, people see that money is being spent on them. That 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 is the perception. They're seeing that investment is going into staff and that has a, a significant increase on, on morale. I think what you were saying... Um... And Lisa, I'm going to bring you in here. I think that whole idea of, and, and I think coming from you, Andrew, who's who's kind of in a, in a leadership team of a of a really well trusted Matt, in the, and and as somebody who's in the northeast of England, has got a massive reputation for good teaching and learning. Um, and so to to hear someone like you say, we we just want teachers to be able to teach good lessons. And this technology enables it to happen. Where I think there's a lot of skepticism around technology comes from technology getting in the way of teachers being able to teach good lessons. So, as someone uh, from especially the Emmanuel Trust saying that, I think it holds a lot of weight. And I guess I don't know if you want to pick up on that. And and because I know you guys put a lot of effort into into designing this tech so that it does exactly that. 
Yeah, so we've designed everything to be really simple, um, integrate with the cloud. So allowing you to, as Andrew said, kind of pick up your resources or save your resources back to the cloud straight away. Um, it's designed where you don't have to redo the resource or, you know, teachers have a lot of material that they want to continue to use. They don't want to have to relearn a new piece of software and, and maybe even recreate those resources. So what we've done is we've created a platform that gives you nice, simple tools that integrate with the content that you have and allow you to concentrate on the teaching and not worry about the technology. Um, Andrew went down the route of uh, our RP series, which has an NFC sensor on the front, which just means, again, for simplicity, a teacher can walk into a, any classroom, um, swipe a card onto the screen, and it's going to sign them into their cloud profile and give them access to their learning resources straight away. So it's all about just really making the technology easy to use and integrate well into day-to-day -day teaching. And Tony, as, as a result, um, as an organisation, um, Strive AV is not a box shifter. It's not somebody that thinks, right, like, you know, somebody's just going to buy from us. Are you um, happy with the result in regards to the, the, the rollout? Are you seeing the benefits that you intended? Because I'm sure it's a, in collaboration, isn't it, with these schools that you're working with? So. Um, talk to it on your side and, and, the, and the benefit that you're seeing. Um, <clears throat> roll that by me again. <laughs> just do the question again. I'm just <laughs> what concept from Emmanuel's side? Just in general, yeah, I suppose from, oh, okay. from what Andy talked about, but just in general, you know, when a, an organization and, and, and you get the business, you know, let, let's talk about it from that, but actually, it's not just about that, it's about actually, it's a, it's a collaboration, it's in. Uh, conjunction with the school in terms of their needs and obviously then the manufacturer. Are you happy with what the, the, the roadmap that you set out um, from the leasing point of view and also you as a company? Are you seeing the impact and are you happy with the results as well? Yeah, yeah, we're definitely happy with the results. It's, um, I mean, you know, from working with Emmanuel, um, for, take, for an example, um, obviously we did the shootout. Um, we had to then um, go out to tender um, and there was other companies involved. Obviously, um, it's not a Strive deal. Um, it's a Emmanuel deal. Um, and um, we were great. We were so happy. We were successful, you know, because with a lot of education projects, you're not always guaranteed to actually win the project. You might put a lot of work into it, but you're not guaranteed to win it. You've got to go in at the right price. You've got to offer the right service. You know, we might be the best company that Andrew's ever seen, but if we don't come in at the right price, um, because again, it's taxpayers' money, we, you know, and I totally 100% back Andrew we need, you know you are spending taxpayers money and you need to make sure that you're getting the best best for your school um, and spending your money wisely because as we talked at the start this is not an empty pot that just keeps coming you know they've got to really think about what they're doing for their procurement for the next three to five years and in some cases could be seven years. So it's, you know, it's a massive decision. Um, and we've got to be, we've got to be brilliant at what we do. And, you know, and I do pride myself in, you know, Stry's been going for 23 years. Um, we're not a box shifter, but we work in the school market and we work in colleges and we work in universities and we work in the corporate sector as well. So we work in very in all different sectors and they're all very, very different. 
Um, and it's just making sure that you're offering the right service at the right price um, and having pride in what you do. Yeah, for, for absolute sure. And I think the the evidence, the proof's in the pudding, isn't it? The evidence is in the the difference it's making. And, and obviously um, the solution that, that Andrew and the team up at uh, Emmanuel decided to do was rather than just do one classroom at once, they went in for a, they, they planned and strategized for their setup. They put a leasing plan in place and found good partners to work with on that. And they were in that 18 months into that, that five year journey. And I know that from a cost saving perspective, um, that's, that's having a, had a huge impact, but also it means that there is, there is less upfront cost, which is which is always trying to get money out of, out of the system is and a big chunk in 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 a, in a big chunk is always difficult. So this this solution, even though of, that's the obvious point that we're putting there about leasing, is that there is less upfront cost, but you get what get what they need, and the students can continue to grow that. So they're getting the best at the beginning of the project, rather than let's save up to try and get that school roof is fixed or whatever else it is. So I think this is, um, I think that's the, that's the key bit really for me is that we're trying to give the best in-class solution for our students right from the off. And um, I think there is a, there's a move here that I can see that, that could be really useful for a, a number of trusts and number of school and college setups where they, they're going to need to think about multiple screens across, uh, across a, a, a location. Lisa, you wanted to come in. So just on that cost saving side of things, now um, we did a little bit of a calculation on the cost saving from power, you know, power consumption and the cost of, of being able to, you know, keep the lights on in a school is, is a big thing at the moment. So your average classroom, which typically consists of a projector, interactive whiteboard and audio system, if you switch that out for an interactive panel, you're going to save £250 a year per classroom based on current um, electricity bill costs so that's a huge saving if you think you know leasing you're looking at a long-term goal actually the immediate effect is going to be the cost saving in your bills because of that change in technology and moving away from the older technology which consumes more power wow <laughs> that's uh that's pretty it, that just in on its own is it's probably a good way to finish uh actually if you want to save the money there is an opportunity to move to a cost saving option so it's been a it's been a fantastic discussion i know that um there'll be people who are watching this and listening to this who might want to find out a little bit more about the work of the people on the trust uh, on the call on the trust on the on the on the round table apologies so uh first way if anybody wants to uh, connect and find out the individual conversation uh, about what's happened at Emmanuel or um the work that Andrew's doing up there in the northeast um him and Dana best pals up there in the northeast um you can connect with Andrew on Twitter at Mr underscore uh, at Mr Strachan underscore IT easy for me there so uh, that's that's uh, how you can connect with Andrew um if you want to discuss what that might look like for your Matt you can contact Tony and her team uh, by going and having a look at striveav.com you find out all of their solutions and the, and the people working with and thank you specific education um, setup and systems and looking at the future proofing classroom um, solutions they've got you can find out at benq.co.uk forward slash education so the links have come up on the screen there they'll also be in the show notes it's been a fantastic conversation and uh, really love when we can find solutions rather than just talk about the problem so thank you andrew lisa tony for joining us on the this special roundtable future proofing your classroom today
Thanks, everyone. Thank you. Thanks very much. One, two.